emergency measures to break up the blockades. The Emergencies Act will be used to strengthen and support law enforcement agencies. A major crackdown on protesters and the money that supports them. Lifting COVID restrictions. It's impossible to plan right now in the industry. What to expect as the Omicron wave subsides. And Gassy Jack goes down. Why protesters are showing no love for the Vancouver landmark. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The federal government is resorting to extraordinary measures to put a stop to anti-mandate blockades now heading into their third week. Ottawa has invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time since it was adopted back in the 1980s. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it gives the government broad powers to stop the flow of money fueling the protests. The federal government is ready to use more tools at its disposal to get the situation fully under control. A power the federal government has never used before to face a threat never seen before. Justin Trudeau implementing the Emergencies Act to crack down on illegal protests, choking off border crossings and clogging the streets of the capital. The measures will focus on specific locations and will be limited in scope. In addition to giving the police more power to impose fines and make arrests, banks can freeze accounts without a court order and will allow for the seizure of assets. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. The federal government acting to combat what police say is the makings of a growing insurrection. Canadian Border Services turning away Americans attempting to enter the country to participate in the blockade. And in Alberta, RCMP seizing dozens of firearms, body armor and ammunition from trailers at the Coots point of entry. Twelve people have been arrested. Could be a number of different charges. We're investigating conspiracy to attempt to commit murder. Despite the occupation of Ottawa stretching into its third week and hundreds of millions of dollars a day in lost trade, provincial leaders lukewarm to the introduction of the Emergencies Act. Alberta, Saskatchewan and Quebec all opposed to giving the federal government extraordinary authority. National security experts say the government hasn't met the standard to declare a national emergency. It's a matter of enforcement, not of a lack of authority or lack of law, which is usually where we would see the need to go to a federal emergencies act. Ontario Premier Doug Ford supportive of reasonable measures. And despite dropping many of the pandemic-related restrictions Monday, quickly sweeping aside any suggestion, the protest swayed public policy. Today's announcement is not because of what's happening in Ottawa, but despite it. The Emergencies Act in effect for 30 days. And it can be renewed. The government indicating it will be revoked immediately if the protesters go home. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. 
Now, here in B.C., at the Pacific Highway border crossing, the protest was much smaller than the crowd that gathered over the weekend, but it still kept traffic from moving. Police say they are still working to end the demonstration peacefully, while detoured drivers are being forced to wait hours at other crossings. Grace Key joins us live near the border tonight. Grace, what's going on there now? Well, at this hour, there are a couple of groups of protesters. Just wanted to show you the scene behind me here. We've got the border, and you can see the cement barricades with the officers right behind there. Then if you swing around here, just on 176, you see one group of protesters here just at the intersection at 2nd Avenue. They've certainly grown in numbers from the last hour. I'd say maybe a little under 50 or so. And then further up along 176th Street, you can't see it from our vantage point, there is another group near 8th Avenue, and they are blocking the southbound lane. They are standing their ground. Camped overnight, the road to the Pacific Highway border crossing along 176th Street remains closed. Closer to the border, another group has camped overnight, and so far these protesters have no plans on leaving. Basis of freedom is what you're seeing. It truly is basis of freedom. This is epic. It started here in Vancouver, the convoy. It's gone worldwide. We will not give up this resistance. Yeah. It's day three of the blockade, and Surrey RCMP say they are continuing efforts to resolve the matter peacefully. Our members have been in the area all week uh, working alongside and having dialogue with the protesters in the area. Um, we continue to work on strategic enforcement in order to work to ensure that we can reopen um, all critical infrastructure. Commercial traffic is being diverted elsewhere. At the Alder Grove crossing, it's a long wait for truckers trying to cross the border. Some saying they've been stuck in line for hours. It looks like it's, what, two and a half hours now. Uh, it's a little frustrating. I had to call ahead to all the customers down there, and they're all willing to... Uh, Wait up for me, so it'll be a, it'll be a late one uh, tonight. Open up the border and let me work. <laughs> let us work. I'm a farmer from the States, and I got cattle to feed yet, so I'm trying to get through here, but, yeah, it's kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, that's how we do it, Canada! Power to the people! It was a very different scene over the weekend. At one point, some trucks jumped median and breached a police blockade. Officers also formed a line backing up protesters and asking them to leave. Four people were arrested with further investigations underway. Sunday evening, barricades were put in place. Though the border is still technically open, traffic can't get through, leaving truckers wondering how long this will last. People have a freedom. I don't say anything. I don't blame them, but I don't know why they block the road. Yeah, so again, just wanted to mention that the Pacific Highway border crossing is still technically open. So uh, if you have to walk across on foot, you can still do that. But of course, it's the traffic that is being blocked. Sophie? It doesn't help people who are behind the wheel. All right, thanks for that, Grace. New polling suggests a strong majority of Canadians have had enough of the protests. And while most indicate they're tired of the mandates, too, few are happy with the way things have unfolded. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on that part of the story. Keith, if this was an election, it'd be a lie. Based on the poll, it's pretty clear where the majority of Canadians stand here.
Yeah, the number of people opposed to these ongoing blockades and protests is rising in numbers significantly. Today, Angus Reid poll, the latest to show a strong majority of Canadians really oppose what's going on in these blockades, whether it's in Ottawa, Windsor, or Vancouver. 72% say go home. Now is the time to go home. 68% advocate the police, 45% there, or the military to act, which is very strong numbers. Fifth, more than half favor arrests and charges. 28, just 28% favor negotiations. So the public's taking a a hard line here. These numbers have increased in terms of opposition to the blockades. Pollster Shachi Curl today on our morning show said this is not about being against protests. It's basically being about these entrenched protests that are seemingly endless. Here's Shachi Curl. There's a majority in every part of the province who are saying now, you know what, it's time to go home. And that's not necessarily where they were at the beginning of this process in the protest movement. Um, you know, at the beginning, it would have been, hey, people have a right to protest. They have their say. Uh, and I don't think anyone's become anti-protest now. But but just some of the tactics and the ongoingness of this has, has really worn folks out. So I'll leave you with uh, one other poll, Chris. Abacus Data today releasing a poll that shows when it comes to vaccine mandates, 63% of Canadians support vaccine mandates for at least a year. And that number is even higher in B.C. 73% support vaccine mandates in this province. You put this together, rising opposition to the blockades, strong public support for the mandates. That shows why Prime Minister Justin Trudeau thinks he's on pretty strong ground to bring in that legislation. All right, Keith, thanks very much for that. Now let's take a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for BC. We have three days worth and we will start with hospitalizations, which are down. There are currently 803 people in hospital. 119 of those patients are in the ICU. Sadly, there have been 17 more deaths recorded due to complications of the virus. And we have just over 2,700 confirmed new cases. Some COVID-19 restrictions are set to expire this week and the province is expected to announce if any will be extended or adjusted tomorrow. Many are wondering what our lives will look like over the next few weeks and months, especially those working in the most affected industries. Richard Zussman has more. An entire industry holding its breath, hoping Tuesday will be a day to remember when it comes to days to remember. We're not asking for a miracle. We're not asking for, you know, 300 people at a, you know, raging party dancing together. What wedding planners want is for weddings to be allowed under COVID protocols. The sector, from planners to DJs to florists, hoping to operate events before a third summer season is wiped out. Just to recover from two years ago is going to take years and years. The, you know... People have families, they have mouths to feed. It's a $1.2 billion industry just in BC. On Tuesday, the province will announce some easing of COVID protocols. There is an expectation the six-person per table rule at restaurants will be gone soon. The ban on wedding and funeral receptions should be lifted and capacity at all events will go up from 50%. But what is unclear is how quickly Rogers Arena or the conference centers will be able to hold events at full capacity. If you fill the arena downtown and the Canucks are playing with 16,000 or 17,000 people versus eight, that's a lot more people running around to eat and drink. What is clear is the province's commitment to two core policies. The indoor mask mandate is expected to continue in public spaces, and while Ontario and Alberta forge ahead with scrapping vaccine cards, BC is expected to stick with it. The BC vaccine card has been extraordinarily helpful and has received extraordinary support in BC. We actually support that. We believe 
we need to move with our guests and, and go to that transition slower. The key indicator for public health is hospitalizations. They are going down, but the system is still under pressure. Until we are certain that our healthcare system is protected, that the numbers of hospitalizations are going down, surgeries aren't being canceled, that people are getting the procedures they need and deserve, that we should ease into this. An announcement coming at 1.30 Tuesday, marking the beginning of the end. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The missing and murdered Indigenous Women's Memorial March and the flashpoint in Vancouver's gas town that came tumbling down. That's next on the News Hour. Who are you going to call if you want to make a comedy? For decades, it was Ivan Reitman. And we'll look back on the work of the iconic Canadian later. Also tonight, the game within the game. Squire has the Super Bowl ads so many people missed later. Right now, though, Vancouver police are investigating the toppling of the Gassy Jack statue in Gastown, a controversial monument to one of Vancouver's early residents. And as Krista Dow reports, a reminder for people in the annual Women's Memorial March of the challenges and dangers Indigenous women have faced for generations. For many, he served as a reminder of decades of oppression against Indigenous women and girls. But on February 14th, the man known as Gassy Jack is no longer being celebrated. I think it's, it's appropriate and long overdue. The so-called father of Gastown, John Dayton, married his widow's niece, a 12-year-old Squamish girl. Critics had long called for the removal of his statue. So the taking down of this monument represents taking back our story and this is our narrative. I just can't imagine what, what it would be like to be part of the First Nations community. Um, and, and to walk these streets. Vancouver's Mayor Kennedy Stewart says while the statue was clearly a symbol of pain, violence and trauma, the actions that removed it in a dangerous way undermines the ongoing work with the Squamish Nation. It's work community members have been doing for decades. This year marks 30 years of an annual walk to remember missing and murdered women. If thousands of non-Indigenous women have gone missing, there would be far more media attention, there would be investigations, there would be posters everywhere, people would get arrested within the days. It's just not happening with our women and it hasn't happened. Hundreds marching through the streets of downtown Eastside to remember the lives lost and to call for justice for those still missing. This is the overly saturated population of the women that have gone missing. And each year we march here and lay flowers at spots where the women and children and girls have been found in honour of their spirits. And I think it's about time that somebody like Gassy Jack's been taken down, especially the way he treated young Indigenous women and girls in his time. It's unacceptable and we shouldn't be celebrating people like him. No one was arrested. Vancouver police say it's investigating. Krista Dow, Global News. North Vancouver RCMP are warning the public about a man suspected of sexually assaulting a woman in Lynn Canyon Park. Police say the suspect grabbed the victims behind Sunday afternoon as she left the Varley Loop Trail. The suspect is described as a black or South Asian man with a medium complexion, about six feet tall with a thin build. He was wearing glasses and a black North Face hoodie with the words Never Stop Exploring on the front. If you have any information, you were asked to call North Vancouver RCMP. 
Police in Esquimalt are trying to find two key witnesses and a suspect in a sexual assault there. It happened about 3.45 on Friday afternoon. A man approached a teenage girl near a bus stop in the 1300 block of Esquimalt Road. He scared her, then followed her, committing an indecent act as she walked away. Two people, a teen boy and girl, saw what was going on. The male witness chased the man away. Luckily, the victim wasn't physically hurt. We'll follow up now to a story you might have seen on last night's news hour a viral video of a heated confrontation between a student and an adult outside of an Oliver High School. According to witnesses, protesters arrived towards the end of the school day and, when approached by students, allegedly began yelling about masks leading up to the heated confrontation. As Global's Taya Fast reports, parents are now speaking out about the incident. A heated confrontation between an adult and students from Oliver's Southern Okanagan Secondary School caught on camera. This incident was filmed on Friday and now parents are voicing their concerns. All uncalled for. That kind of behavior doesn't belong anywhere, you know, especially a school setting. Now, Global News did speak with other parents who voiced the same concerns as Steve, but they did not want to go on camera out of fear for their children and for themselves. There is students that are feeling uh, uneasy in the environment of the school, which is sad because that's, you should be able to go there and not have fear. In the video, a woman and a student go back and forth yelling at each other until the woman used another slur to describe the student and then walked away. The group of supporters and parents who were standing outside the school had no intention, intention or support of whatever this lady had been saying that was racist or the remarks. It was remarks. ridiculous. It was too much. We've agreed not to identify these students because they say they fear for their safety after the Friday confrontation. They say that when a group of students approach the adults, that is when the situation escalated. This woman comes out of nowhere and then she starts yelling at the girls and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just standing there. I'm just like, this is not good. This is not good at all because this makes all of us look bad. The school district says they are aware of the incident and have been working with the school and RCMP. You know, we respect that people do have a right to protest in a democratic society, but when students are targeted, it's just very hard, difficult to support. And I, um, and then e even more so when there's any any kind of harassment or any kind of intimidation or or verbal abuse or verbal altercations, and just can't support that. Schools need to be neutral places where kids can be safe and learn, and really would. Um, prefer that any future protests of, of, of this kind really avoids targeting our schools. TFS Global News, Oliver. Up next, no more decals. Big changes coming to ICBC, making it easier to renew your insurance. And gas volatility, why prices at the pump are heading up again. Seeing extra delays here for southbound traffic at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge tonight. That's because of a stall southbound at mid-span in the far right lane. Two lanes are still able to get by, but still expect delays, and it's probably going to get worse when a tow truck shows up. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. 
We Leave BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Your annual trek to the broker to renew your ICBC coverage will soon be a thing of the past. The province is moving to online renewals and doing away with the decals you have to stick on your rear plate every year. Ted Chernecki reports. Those license plate verification decals are so yesterday. Five provinces in Canada have already gotten rid of them, and now BC will do the same, starting with auto insurance renewals from May 1st onwards. Police now use license plate readers that can quickly tell if the car is insured, but they need more of them. ICBC is providing police agencies in British Columbia with a one-time $1 million in grant funding towards these plate readers. Also starting as early as next month, you'll be able to renew your auto insurance online up to 44 days before your plates expire. ICBC customers renewing policies effective on or after May 1st, 2022 will have the option to renew their policy online by computer, tablet, or mobile device. ICBC has been conducting test trials on new software, but not everyone will be able to renew online, commercial, Leases or vehicles with joint ownership, for example, cannot, at least not initially. If, if you look into the detail, it, it's, a, it's a limited transaction to begin with, uh, and, and that's going to evolve over time. Customers have been asking for online renewal for years, in part to avoid paying auto insurance brokerage fees. But even now that ICBC is offloading the issue work to you, there is no reduction in brokerage fees and no reduction in your insurance costs. The minister was asked why we're paying the same fees when the broker appears to have less to do. There is a lot of work that the brokers uh, continue to do. Um, the reality is this. Um, we have undergone the biggest transformation of ICBC uh, that has resulted in people uh, saving significant uh, amounts in their insurance. And those savings, argue brokers, also have reduced their revenue. Premiums have gone down for the motoring public by about 28%. Uh, Brokers, alongside with that, have had a decline in the commissions we've earned on the transactions we complete. So we've, we've lost about 30% of our revenue over the past 12 months. Anyone still wanting to deal with a broker in person can, even after May 1st. Ted Chernaki, Global News. Well, if you thought paying a dollar eighty a liter for gas was high, get ready to pay even more. The record-breaking prices we saw over the weekend are not going away, and a number of things are conspiring to push those prices even higher. John Hua now with what could be heading our way. Like a dagger right in the heart. It hurts. It hurts. Nothing is causing more pain this Valentine's Day. That is too much. We cannot afford that. Then paying record-breaking prices at the pumps. We broke uh, through the all-time record, spectacularly so, by four cents a liter. The cost of gas in Metro Vancouver hitting more than a dollar eighty a liter. Experts say that's because of soaring oil prices, changes in the blend of fuel, and increased demand across the Pacific Northwest. Probably by week's end, we could see prices go up a little higher. Petroleum analyst Dan McTagg adds retailers also decided to bleed drivers for just a little bit more. While all these prices were going up, retailers who had been charging $0.07 cents a litre decided to increase that to $0.08 cents a litre, so they picked up a penny as well. It even fueled the bickering at the B.C. legislature. 
but once again was more about finger pointing than a fix. He broke his promise that he was going to deal with gas prices and instead did nothing. The people that used to raise costs for British Columbians were rejected not once but twice by the people of British Columbia. If everything else stayed the same on April 1st, prices would still jump about 2.3 cents a litre due to an increase in Canada's carbon tax. Tack on about five cents more when the switch is made from winter to summer blends. The price could easily surpass $2 a litre if the situation between the Ukraine and Russia becomes more severe. An invasion by Russia, uh, all bets would be off in terms of price. For those looking back at better days of $1.60 a litre, it's time to move on. It's a lot of money, you know, and uh, it just keeps getting tighter and tighter. With more fuel price milestones to be met, who needs Valentine's Day to bring people together? Misery at the pumps loves company. John Hua, Global News. Up next on the News Hour, taking on the Taggers. It has become an eyesore and an embarrassment. Chinatown scarred by vandals and the calls to do more about it. As the evening commute winds down over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, see minimal delays north and southbound. Just keep in mind there are lane closures for overnight maintenance between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. With BCAA Car Insurance, it's easy to renew from anywhere. From ICBC Auto Plan renewals to exclusive savings, visit BCAA.com today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. More than six months after the city started to clean up Vancouver's Chinatown, the neighborhood is still plagued by graffiti. A lack of surveillance cameras means those who repeatedly vandalize heritage buildings and storefronts are rarely charged or convicted. Kristen Robinson has a look at what it's going to take to stop these prolific taggers. On almost every corner in Chinatown, graffiti seems to get a green light. We cannot stop that. Art Lamb's wall repeatedly targeted by taggers. His nonprofit can't afford to repaint every time it's defaced. We're going to paint it over and over again. I think our association can go broke. At Evie's on East Pender, even the plywood covering a smashed window was hit. Say Levy. Oh well. Cost of doing business. I think it just it's just like shoveling water, right? There's no stop to it. Amin Jawanda led a night watch program in Chinatown last fall. Volunteers staked out areas where freshly covered graffiti left a blank canvas for taggers. The graffiti would be painted over in the morning, and by the end of the business day before 5 p.m., there would already be graffiti on that same wall again. It has become an eyesore and an embarrassment. The higher up the graffiti, the harder it is to get rid of. Retired Crown Counsel Winston Sison says it must be removed quickly with serial taggers pursued by police. It is truly in the public interest to prosecute this epidemic of vandalism and graffiti damage. The VPD received 88 mischief reports for Chinatown graffiti in 2020. Six files were forwarded to Crown. Charges laid in four cases with two convictions, including Eve Castonge, sentenced to eight months in jail for defacing the Chinese Cultural Center with racist graffiti. 2021 also saw 88 reports. Charges were recommended in one case, but not approved. It has to be 
the tolerance of our, our justice system on what we're going to allow or not allow, uh, the willingness to prosecute, the willingness, willingness to sentence, and it has to be uh, elevated to a level of importance that we're not going to put up with this. We are in the same position as we were years ago, in fact worse. Both agree there must be a community effort to reclaim the neighborhood, something already happening between East Georgia and Union Streets. You put it on, we will take it down. Graffiti replaced with art in this alley. Under the street code, the hope is taggers won't write off the murals. It's time to stop, make this city beautiful again, respect other people. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Duchess of Cornwall has tested positive for COVID-19 just four days after her husband, Prince Charles, contracted the virus. Clarence House says Camilla is now self-isolating. Charles has been isolating since he tested positive last week. The pair is triple vaccinated. Charles is believed to have spent time with his mother, Queen Elizabeth, two days prior to testing positive, fueling a lot of concern for the 95-year-old monarch's health. And last week, Buckingham Palace said the Queen so far was showing no signs of infection. Just ahead, comedy genius. Hey, anybody see a ghost? The man who wrote and directed Ghostbusters and many other funny films has died. The lasting legacy of Ivan Reitman coming up. And a mixed bag of Super Bowl ads you might have missed later. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, time to check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our weather forecast on what uh, turned out to be a pretty nice Valentine's Day. Christy? Sure is. Uh, you know, it was a little drizzly, as you all well know, this morning, and then things really turned around. And I tell you, I can see the moon right now. It is almost full. So uh, anyone out enjoying this evening should be able to enjoy that as well, because we're seeing mostly clear skies. It's not yet full. The full moon is on the 16th, but still, it looks pretty nice, that's for sure. Uh, I wanted to show you this photo that came to me today. This is Wood Lake in the, through the interior, uh, just near Vernon. Jerry sending us this. And yes, the thaw is on. We've had a well above seasonal values for the last week or more. Uh, today, was near seasonal, so they were little, it was a little cooler today, but we're going to soar above seasonal for the next several days, and that's mainly in through the interior. Coastal regions are near seasonal, but we'll take it, that's for sure, but definitely mild conditions on the way for the interior regions. I urge you to remember, I mean, it is still February. Winter's not over just yet. We still have a long uh, March ahead. In the meantime, we still have a few flurries expected in through the interior regions. Coastal regions, some nice breaks overnight. Uh, tomorrow, we'll start off with a fair amount of sunshine, but a system's going to drive down from the north, and that's going to bring in flurries to many interior regions later in the day tomorrow, and that will also bring some cloud and showers to the Fraser Valley later in the day tomorrow also. Overall, for Metro Vancouver, it's pretty nice. So, some nice breaks of blue sky. Again, that system driving down from the north, so these areas here, we'll see it later in the day. Uh, areas like Kelowna could see a few uh, showers or flurries in through the evening. For our region, still a bit drizzly in through the morning with that cloud cover, but we'll break out out of it nicely tomorrow. We could still see some showers overnight Tuesday, but then we're back to a mix of sun and cloud on Wednesday. And then it's not really until Saturday that we're going to see a more major system. So a fairly nice forecast, that's for sure, in store for us. And especially for those of you in the interior with well above seasonal values on the way uh, this week with sunshine. So here's another look at Kalamalka Lake. Thank you to Paul Agassi for that one. Uh, yes, it has been stunning in through the interior and there's more on the way. All right. Great pictures. Thank you, Christy. 
Legendary Canadian director and producer Ivan Reitman has died. He died late Saturday night at his home in California. Reitman created some of the most beloved Hollywood movies, including Ghostbusters and Kindergarten Cop. And as Global's Eric Sorensen reports, he not only left his mark on the big screen, but also on his hometown of Toronto. Hey, anybody see a ghost? One of the most popular comedy films ever made, Ivan Reitman wrote Ghostbusters in about three weeks. Every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Right, that's bad. Okay. It's easy for big screen comedies to fall flat, but Reitman's imagination turned offbeat ideas into hilarious films over and over again, saying he never lost the jitters before a new movie debuted. Oh, absolutely. Ah. I think if I didn't, I'd have to get out. He produced some of the brightest stars on stage before Bill Murray, John Belushi, and Dan Aykroyd moved to television. And it was Reitman who helped launch their movie careers. Producing Belushi in Animal House, where he made frat house antics somehow charming, and in Meatballs directed Bill Murray's first feature film. These are the camp rules. We'll be in here if you want to check these out a little bit later. He even turned tough guy Arnold Schwarzenegger into a comedy star. Two house off my skinnies. That's it. And when he made the Ghostbusters sequel, he worried all over again. All through the shooting, people saying, I'm really glad you're doing it, but don't ruin it. We really love the first one. Reitman is being remembered as a great filmmaker and in his hometown as a builder. His family donated land for a theater, making the Toronto International Film Festival bigger and better. He made giant Hollywood blockbusters, uh, but he understood the value of film culture as a whole, that it was important for people to see movies from all over the world. A business partner remembers Reitman as being part of the fabric of the community. And being a Canadian, being, being friendly and being genuine. And that was him. Reitman's parents were Hungarian Jews. His mother survived Auschwitz. His son Jason wrote today he came from a family of survivors and turned his legacy into laughter. Jason also became a top director. Father and son collaborated, including on one last installment of Ghostbusters. Not only the world's most, you know, authority on Ghostbusters, but also one of the great storytellers of our time. Daughter Catherine, too, is a comedian and creator. Ivan Reitman was in the world of movies, but didn't get caught up in the fashion and glamour of it. It's frankly easier for guys. You get a decent suit, a good shirt, and you're done. <laughs> Reitman laughed easily and smiled always, it seemed, fitting for a man who made so many people laugh and smile. And amazing casting in his movies. Too. Oh. <laughs> like, really made made it. Always the funniest people in the industry, and wow, what a load of talent mm -hmm. just in that one family alone to no the business for sure you can always tell what kind of respect a director has by the cast he can bring mm -hmm. together yeah um okay so uh yushiro harano is a regular with the abbotsford canucks and his career is followed rather closely back home in japan i just want to keep uh sent to japan for like good news from here he certainly is appreciated by his teammates and fans as he uh, tries to improve his game to NHL level. And the game within the game. Don't miss out on the Super Bowl ads you couldn't see.
Squires here with sports and uh, a name that will be familiar to a lot of Canucks fans in the uh, trade zone today. A lot of Canuck fans who still can't figure out why they didn't keep him here. But that's old news now. Uh, the closer you get to the NHL trade deadline, the more you can tell which teams think they have a real chance of doing something in the playoffs and which teams are thinking about the future instead. The Calgary Flames believe they have a chance to do something big this season. They certainly have the goaltender in Jacob Markstrom to win in the playoffs. And today they brought in Tyler Toffoli, the former Canuck, from Montreal to give them another goal scorer. Now the Habs will get a first-round pick, which will be this year or next year, depending on where the Flames finish. Also a prospect by the name of Emil Heinemann, the Habs feel has a very bright future. For Calgary, they get a player who has played with a lot of their guys back when he and some of them were with the LA Kings and the Vancouver Canucks. You know, he's, there's a lot of familiarity with him already before he before he's even came in here. And obviously Daryl had him as a player in, in LA as well. So uh, there's, a, there's already a chemistry there. There's already familiarity there. So I think he'll fit right in. Well, to nobody's surprise, it'll be Canada against the U.S. in women's hockey for the gold medal. That'll be Wednesday, about 8 o'clock our time. Canada beat Switzerland 10-3. The U.S. beat Finland. Canada has won four of the six gold medals handed out in women's Olympic hockey. The Americans have won the other two. Speaking of medals, there is our latest check on the medal standings. Canada was 15, one gold, four silver, ten bronze. One thing the game of hockey would love to do is become more popular in Asia, the way basketball and baseball have become popular. The Olympics certainly help with the exposure, and NHL games, of course, now can be seen worldwide on the Internet and on smartphones. But what really gets people's attention is when one of their own countrymen gets to the top levels of the game, the way Yashiro Hirano has done by making it to the American Hockey League, where he currently plays with the Abbotsford Canucks. Early chance for Nick Patan down the wing. Patan cross lays feet. They score! First AHL goal, Yushiro Hirano! Yushiro Hirano's first American Hockey League goal was a long time coming. And when we say long, we're talking geographically and culturally. Hirano, the first ever Japanese born player to score a goal in the AHL. Yeah, I think that's, that's big news in Japan. So I just want to send to Japan for like good news from here so yeah getting this far in his professional career is a classic case of somebody doing everything possible when it comes to chasing a dream prior to signing a professional tryout contract with the abbotsford canucks last month hirano was in the east coast hockey league this after making previous stops in the u.s hockey league junior in sweden and of course learning the game in his homeland of hokkaido japan i think my hometown is like biggest hockey town in Japan. I started hockey when I was three years old because yeah, my dad playing the pool hockey Japan and also my brother, old brother played hockey. So he uh, like, he teach me uh, everything about hockey. So I just, yeah. Here's Bailey, Hirano the shot, SCORES! At 26 years of age, Hirano isn't giving up on his childhood dream of becoming the first Japanese-born skater to play in the National Hockey League. He's scored at every level he's been at while constantly adjusting to life in North America. First, it was learning a new language. Now it's becoming the best pro he can be. It also helps that the Abbotsford Canucks assistant equipment manager, Shingo Sasaki, shares the same hometown as Hirano. 
but I've, I've liked the job he's done. But he plays with no fear. Uh, he has no problem going in there. He's a big, strong guy, and he shows that. And uh, I think that's part. That's that's a huge battle at this level for sure. Are there Abbotsford Cock jerseys in Hokkaido now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> the outcome of uh, most NFL football games, or any football game for that matter, can be boiled down to a few plays. And the Super Bowl yesterday was no different. LA won 23 20 because their pass rush overwhelmed the Bengals in the fourth quarter, and their best receiver, Cooper Cup, became virtually unstoppable despite being double covered a lot of the time. But the key play according to Rams head coach Sean McVay, was a fourth and one gamble in the fourth quarter that Cooper Cup made happen. You know what, sometimes you just go with a gut feel. Uh, I felt like based on uh, the way that they had played some of those short yardage situations that Cup would have a chance to be able to circle the defense. They defended it really well, but it was a great player making a great play. We don't make that play. Uh, We're not sitting up here uh, winning that game for sure. Big time play. And if you're an old Rams fan and you want to go to the parade, you got to get down there by Wednesday. (laughs) Cooper Cup sounds like he should be just an award. It sounds like it's a... It does sound like you won something. Like a golf golf champion. Yeah, you won the Cooper Cup. Really? (laughs) I'm so proud. Maybe one day you will be. (laughs) Thanks very much, Squire. All right, Super Bowl ads. The best ones. Handpicked by Squire. Coming up next. Dare I ask, is there an avocado? In the bunch? <laughs> Not this time. What? I, I looked at the avocado one. I may show it next week, but I thought for tonight it just didn't wasn't make worthy. the cut. I thought it wasn't as good as the avocado okay. ones in the past. Okay. One of the reasons I think the Super Bowl gets such good ratings is because it's more than just football. People love the halftime show and people love watching the commercials. So here are a few of the ones we haven't been able to show you yet uh, that ran yesterday. <laughs> Why do you eat mixed nuts one at a time? Why do you eat them all together? If only you were as selective with your rolls as you are with your nuts. Hey, here's a thought. Why don't I just get you a feed bag? They're called mixed nuts. You're supposed to mix them. (laughs) Internet. How do you like your mixed nuts? One at a time? Or all together the right way? Sent. Like anyone's going to care. Hey, it's Ken Jeong. Do you enjoy your mixed nuts one at a time? (laughs) All together the right way. Aww. One at a time? You're a one-nutter. So you don't make any decisions? Why are you buying mixed nuts and then unmixing them? Oh, you're a foodie now. Question on America's mind. Is it all or one? Huh. Who knew America would tear itself apart over a relatively minor difference of opinion? Mm. Not me. Hellman's wants to tackle food waste. So naturally, they hired this legend. Toss that. You can make grilled cheese with that bread. Not on my watch. You can make potato salad. Grandma! Don't throw away that spinach! Make a frittata. Mom's already tackling food waste, Mayo. It's a big guy. 
Sorry, man. Had to. I get it. I'm very hittable. Oh. Make taste, not waste, baby! Oh! I call it the wheel. Eh, I don't think so. This is a miss. Brother David, behold, it's a fork. I got ten forks right here, baby! <laughs> huh? Am I right? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> On toilet? We're not animals. We go outside like humans. Hancock. No king. The people shall have the right to vote. Even the stupid ones? Yes. Stupid people vote? Yes. Ha! Edison, can I be honest with you? It stinks. Nobody's gone to the moon ever. Why not? It's far. It's too far. It's far. The future is portable music. Yes. And like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Ah, uh, they found me. Nice suits. You guys blend right in. The world needs you back. I'm retired, Greg. You know this. People have their money just sitting around doing nothing. That's bad. They shouldn't do that. They're getting crushed by inflation. Well, I feel for them. They're taking financial advice from memes. I'll get my onesies. Good to have you back, old friend. Yeah, eyes on the road, Benny. Welcome to a new chapter in investing. E-Trade, now from Morgan Stanley. <laughs> I promise, Sorry, Sophie, I will get the avocados in eventually. <laughs> the mixed nuts was good. Mixed nuts was good. Mixed nuts was good. E-Trade, <laughs> eyes on the road, Benny. I'm going to laugh at that baby forever, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Last word on weather before we go, Christy. Yes, I'm hoping that you have my audio. So overnight tonight, clear skies, although we'll see a bit of fog or not fog, sorry, a bit of drizzle tomorrow morning and then breaks a blue sky through the latter part of the day. So enjoy your Tuesday, everyone. Well, looks good. Thanks, Christy. And thanks for watching, everyone. Good night, all.